0: Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. I'm starting a brand new series today, and it's called Christianity in this new era. Christianity in this new era. And this is the series that I'm going to be leading us into. It'll take us up close to Easter, and then after Easter, I'm going to jump right back into it again for a little bit. Uh, Really, what this series is about is about approaches that we must take to occupy. Now, occupy is our theme for the year, and what it means to occupy, it means to do business for Jesus until Jesus returns. Now, that's what it means to occupy. Now Now, hear me well. The gospel, get this, the gospel never changes. Yeah. Isn't that right? It never changes. But the tactics and the methods must change. In fact, the church has to adapt as well. We have to so that we can implement this never-changing gospel into the world. Now, ever since the church started, and I'm talking back at the very beginning, not this church, but the church when it first started, which was at the day of Pentecost, when God poured out His Spirit on His people and, and people started coming to Christ and being baptized that same very day, uh, every time the church moved to a different area or a different part of the world, what they would do is, is, is they would, it would look a little bit different from place to place to place. And, uh, you know, and, and even today, you go to one part of the world and go to another part of the world, you go from one city to another city, or go from a small rural area, you're going to find the, the, the way that Christians, the way that the church engages culture and the, the way that the church interacts and how a church uh, functions, it's very different. Like, like Wednesday night, late Wednesday night, when you guys are heading up to bed, I'm going to be on a Zoom meeting with... Uh, Vietnamese pastors, and I do training with them, but, but one of the things I don't train them is how to do church, because it, th- what we do here would never work in communist Vietnam. The way we express our faith here would never work in communist Vietnam, and any of you who have done missions work, you understand completely that that's the case. So, so we have to understand it changes. The methods change from place to place. Contexts are very, very different, and we must contextualize the gospel. So so the gospel and the methods of church always have to be contextualized, always. Are we doing church the exact same way that they did back in the first century? Yes or no? No. The gospel must be contextualized. Now, uh, you're going to see that the contextualization of the gospel and, uh, and how, ch- how churches function and how they flourish it does change from, uh, from places where there's maybe heavy persecution or maybe there's a lot of prosperity or there are certain traditions or certain cultures and, and the beauty of it is that no matter where you go in the world you're going to find the same gospel being preached but it's going to look very very different from place to place and, um, and some shifts are going on in America. Some shifts are going on in our city. And we have to understand that, that we have to adapt methods, adapt how we think and operate. And I'm going to challenge you to think deeply over these next several weeks. Now, hear me well. There is no biblical method for how to do church. There there isn't. There isn't. That may shock some of you. It's like, yes, there is, yes, there is. Actually, there is not. There really is no biblical method on how to do church. Uh, because if, we, because if, if you want to do it the biblical method, then you guys all need to start doing some chanting. Ready, go. Okay, see, see you're not going to do that. But, but those are, there, are, there are methods that are found in different places. But what we do is we have to understand that the methods change, but the mission never, ever changes. And if you want to jeopardize the mission, then what you do is you never change the methods. Because then what happens is you become irrelevant. You become irrelevant, and uh, within a generation, there's, there's nothing that's, that's left there. Uh, here's some examples of how this has worked in our culture. Uh, two companies, Nest and another one, Ring, they have completely changed the whole landscape of home security today. They really have. Uh, Think about uh, how Airbnb, how it has just revolutionized the entire hotel industry. You think about Lyft and Uber and how that has transformed the whole taxi industry. And it's not that people gave up on security. It's not that people gave up on, 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 uh, on hotels or staying in very pl- various places or accommodation. It's not that people gave up on transportation. No, what happened is, is something shifted, something changed, and they adapted to new ways of thinking or the culture, and they're still getting the same thing done. They're still getting the same thing done, except it looks very, very different, and it's ditto with the church. That is why. I as a pastor and we as a church, we will never criticize the contextualization of the gospel. We never, ever will. Because methods of doing church are not nearly as important as the reality that people must be led to become followers of Jesus Christ. and must have growing relationships with Christ. And so where that is happening, we applaud it. We applaud it. That's why we we don't raise up walls of division. Well, I don't like this part and that part and that part. It's like, no, it's not like that anymore. So one of the big questions we have to ask is, what, are the, what is the context of Fort Worth, Texas in 2022? We have to ask ourselves that. In fact, that's why we're doing cultural streets. Every time we've had these, these groups, we, we ask ourselves that. What is the context? What is the culture? How do we implement the gospel? How can we do this creatively and uniquely so that we can reach the hearts of people that have never been reached before or that simply a, a normal Sunday morning church service isn't going to reach people? You see, 75 years ago, America most certainly was a Christian nation. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Christian ideals... It it really dominated the whole landscape, uh, the Christian ideals, because it influenced how people raised their family. It influenced how people spent their money. It influenced how people spent their weekends. Do you realize that there was a time where, where gas stations weren't even open on Sundays? Stores weren't even open on Sundays? People could not go shopping on Sundays. Why? It's because everybody was in church. Why waste your money doing that? Chick-fil-A does it today. And it actually works very, very well for them. But you see, the context has changed. America, I just want to tell you, America is no longer a Christian nation. We are a post-Christian society. There was a time when teachers gave out Bibles in school. How many of you received Bibles from your teachers? I did. I remember that. I I received a Bible from my teacher, and and I just thought it was the most wonderful thing ever. I just thought it was so cool. Prayer was actually common in public schools years ago. Why? It's because Christians were dominating all areas of culture at that time. It's not the case anymore. You see, about 40 years ago, a subtle shift happened. I want you to follow me on this because what happens is Christians became more and more isolated and insulated from the culture as culture began to slowly decay. And Christianity in America, it, uh, it became more of a place of safety. Christianity is a place of security. It's a... It's, it's, it was it's really interesting because Christianity became this warm fuzzy place with bubble wrap around it instead of actually being a powerful movement that occupies for Jesus on this earth and and uh, and less and less Christians became involved in the uh, risky work of being out in the culture and being salt and light I'm not saying everyone but I'm saying Christianity as a whole and why well Truth be told, is because it's scary out there. It is scary out there. I remember even, even when I was a child in my young adult years hearing that, hey, the world is scary out there, so we just need to build this, this little Christian cocoon here so that we all can be safe and happy, and we can just come up to the church every day of the week, and we're going to be just fine, and there won't be any problems in our lives. Now, I remember hearing that kind of stuff. But what actually happened is... In many cases, we strapped ourselves into what I'm calling a Christian car seat. And uh, we did it to escape the decay of culture. Why? It's because it's easier to live that way. It's easier to be in this Christian cocoon where we can be happy and secure and blessed. And and it does, I'm just telling you, it does feel good. It does feel warm and nice. I, I, I actually like the feeling of that. But we have to understand that the world has now become very, very much post-Christian. It is. It is. It is not the same nation that I was born into. In fact, any of you in here who are adults, you are not living in the same nation that you were born into. So the title of my message today is Christianity is Not a Car Seat. Christianity is not a car seat. Okay, now why do we use car seats? Well, parents use car seats so that the newest and most fragile member of their family will be safe and secure. So that, uh, that, that in case there's an accident, harm will be prevented and, and, and they're, they're gonna be okay. And car seats are great for little babies. But what happens if you put a little boy in a car seat, a few years later, that little boy, is going to be a big boy, and he's going to be out riding a motorcycle with no helmet. <laughs> and that's reality. And I just want to say Christianity needs to grow up and get on the motorcycle with no helmet and get out there and start making a difference for Christ. Christianity is, hear me well, Christianity is dangerous. Christianity is not a car seat christianity is about sacrifice christianity is about giving your life for the most amazing cause on the face of this earth and and it is the most uh, dangerous investment of all because you have short-term loss for long-term now let me just say eternal gain <laughs> yeah that is good that's what i want to live for guys see car seat christianity basically says this I serve God because God protects me from the devil. Christianity car seat says, I serve the Lord because he helps and heals me. Car seat Christianity says this, I serve God because I'm going to get some angels to surround me. Christianity, the car seat method says, I serve God because he's going to help me to prosper and be in health. See, Christianity in the car seat says this, I serve God because of what I can get out of it now hear me well those are the benefits of being saved but they are not the purpose of our faith for too long Christianity has said this is the purpose of our faith and it's put us in bubble wrap and we're no longer effective but I'm saying not this church now as a parent if uh, (laughs) if you have a grown child and that grown child says you know dad mom I just love this family And I'm part of this family because when I'm in this family, I have a place to sleep. I have free food. I have free medical care. I love being a part of this family because there's a huge TV that I can plug my game system into. And I can play all day and all night. I love this family because I don't even have to leave the house. I don't even have to get a job because everything I'm going to have is taken care of. Now, if you were an adult parent, how would you feel at that moment? Well, I kind of went through some feelings of mine, like how would I feel if, if, if I had to deal with that? I haven't ever had to deal with that, but here, I'll tell you, I would feel used. I would feel uh, that something has gone deeply and horribly wrong because I've obviously allowed a culture in my home that shouldn't be allowed. And uh, it's the same with the church, it is the same with the church. Now, I, I want to give this quick disclaimer here. This is, Please understand this. Please don't take anything that I'm saying out of context and get offended because, hear me well, I love the benefits of serving God. I do. I will continue to preach about them. I will always preach about them. I, w- I will always talk about and declare the power of engaging the spirit of God to work miracles and bring protection and to bring provision and to bring more. But, hear me well, but car seat Christianity is all about the security and the benefit, but it misses the fact that being a Christian means you are to occupy. It means you are to do God's business until he returns. That's what I'm challenging you with today. See, but Christianity is also about a deep love and a consuming passion for God. It's about worship. It's about adoration. It's about what we're going to do on uh, next Sunday night when we do in His presence at City Life. It's, uh, it's also about a drive and a desire to do God's work. It's about a, 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 a hunger to pray and to disciple and to be in the Word of God and to bear the fruit of the Spirit. It's about short-term loss for eternal gain. It's about generosity and it's about serving. It's about being dangerous for Jesus. It's about having a willingness to be under, under, uh, misunderstood and to be persecuted knowing that ultimately, in the end, you're still going to win. So let me just be frank about it. Carsey Christianity is immature and it is self-serving. Now, again, yes, we will always embrace, pursue, And receive God's miracle power and his provision like never before. In fact, I believe that in the days ahead, we're going to need that more than ever. I really believe that. So I'm all for that. But understand, that is not why we serve Jesus. People may be attracted to our faith because of that, and that's fine. But that's not why we serve Jesus. Those are the benefits of the family. Do you see that? Those are the benefits for being in him. But nobody is going to be rewarded in eternity based upon the number of blessings they receive from God on this earth. You hear me? I had actually never really considered that before until I was preparing this message. But nobody is going to receive any kind of a reward in heaven based upon the benefits they received on this earth from serving God. They're actually for now, for today, and to help us in our journey. Um, I, I live... I live for one moment. I've said this many times before. I live for the moment when I will stand before Jesus Christ and he will say, well done, Tim, good and faithful servant. (laughs) He's going to smile. He's going to give me a fist bump, high five. I don't know what what he'll do, but it'll be something like that in his own culture. And... (laughs) And then he's going to say, Tim, now I want you to go into this eternity. I mean, like eternity, that's forever, Tim. Do you get that? Like, no, I don't, I don't understand that. Well, eternity is forever, and you're going to get to go into eternity, and it's going to be so much fun. It's going to be pleasure forever, more relaxation, chill, fun, fun. It's going to be so engaging and purposeful and meaningful. I want that for you. You did a good job. Th- that's really what I live for. I live for the affirmation of God standing at his throne. Now, on the flip side of that, I would honestly say that probably the greatest fear in my life is that when I stand before God, he, uh, he hands me a clipboard. And on this clipboard are several things written out, all of these accomplishments. And let's just say those accomplishments look something like this. Tim led 120,000 people into heaven because he gave them a relationship with Jesus. Tim sacrificially and generously supported God's work so that 500,000 people came to Christ through missions work. Tim resisted bribery and acclaim and applause and popularity so he could plow deep and sow spiritual seed and 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 he produced an abundant spiritual harvest that flourished. Tim spoke the truth even when he was scorned and betrayed. And Tim gave up short-term financial prosperity for eternal prosperity. And Tim used God's resources to bring about revival in the city. And Tim was was known for his actions in the city much more than his education or the words that he spoke. I'd be looking at that clipboard and I would say, hey, God, (laughs) thank you, but this must be another Tim because this didn't happen. I, This actually didn't happen, God. There's a mix-up here. There's a mix-up. And God would say, yeah, Tim, well, <laughs> since the beginning of time, that's been written out. and That was actually what was supposed to happen through you. That's what was supposed to happen. You were supposed to be Occupying, You were supposed to be my agent of the, in this world, and you were supposed to train other people to do the same. And, and, and I, I, I gave you my word, and I asked you to occupy, but you seemed, Tim, you just seemed so afraid of the culture. You seemed afraid of being rejected. The only place you felt you could be accepted was within the safe confines of your church building. So, Tim, yeah, you made it into heaven. That's about it. I'll tell you guys. I don't want to have that conversation with Jesus where he says, you made it to heaven, but you didn't do what you were supposed to do on earth. I just wish you would have occupied instead of living your Christian life in a car seat. I'm just talking about me. I can't. I don't know. I don't know about you. I'm just talking about me. That would be the most haunting thing ever. So why then as Christians do we fail to occupy. Well, I've said it already, it's because the world out there is scary. There's a lot of scary things that are are out there, right? I mean, right now, people are all freaked out. People have been freaked out for the last two years about everything, everything. It's like right now, people are freaked out about the president. People right now are freaked out about Ukraine. People right now are freaked out about uh, inflation. Like, is inflation going to be double-digit inflation soon? Well, probably. Almost there. Like, what about gasoline? Oh, my people are freaked out about gas prices. With, uh, is it going to be $7? Well, probably. I understand that we're overwhelmed with all of these things that are freaking us out. And I'm telling you, Christians, I have seen panic over the past few weeks. I've seen panic with Christians. And I'm saying, we need to stop that nonsense. We need to stop that nonsense of panic. See, because that panic is going to tell you, well, I'm just getting scared, and I'm scared that the, that the car is going to crash, so I need to go hide out in my Christian car seat, hoping that everything is going to be okay. And that's not the way to go. And you might be stressed out different reasons. You might say, hey, "Man, I'm stressed out because people are mocking my faith and people are mean to me on Instagram and, and people who used to be my friends aren't friends anymore because I, I said, well, I don't agree with same-sex marriage or I don't agree with abortion or because my skin color is wrong or my gender is not what they told me I thought it should be and now I don't know and my professor told me the Bible is fake and I just want to be accepted so I'm stressed out. You might be worried saying, how am I going to make it? How am I going to make it financially? How's my business going to survive? What if the the stores run out of toilet paper again? I have to hide and hoard, and that's how I'm going to be my my Christian self. Well, hear me well. It's time as Christians that we all grow up, and we get out of our car seats, and we do something really profound. I'm challenging myself on this, too. It's live by faith. Live by faith. Faith, the way the Bible says, and simply get on with life. Matthew 6, 25. I told you we were going to get there. All right, get your your Bibles ready. in Matthew 25. Jesus is talking to his followers. He's talking to them, and he's giving them the word of God. This is the word of God, because as soon as it comes out of his mouth, it's the word of God automatically, all right? Listen to what Jesus says. He says, I tell you. He says, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm te- why did he have to say, I tell you? Because they're like, well, we're, we're scared, we don't know. But now Jesus says, do you get it? I'm God, uh, and I tell you, all right? I tell you, do not worry. Right there, you see that? Do not worry. Worrying people, what do they do? They get in their car seats. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body. What you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds in the air. And I have a feeling he pointed at a bunch of birds that were flying over at that very moment. That's the way I picture it. It's just a perfect setup, it was an illustration. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns or hoard anything. Yet, your, well, that was my addition right there. And yet, your heavenly Father. Feeds them now are you not much more valuable than they oh he's gonna go he's gonna get further I'll keep following along here can any of you by worrying worrying being stressed at a single hour to your life and actually a good answer to that is no it will actually take more of your life away from you if you keep worrying and being stressed we we know that right then why do we keep doing it? All right, well, that, that's just a thought. All right, keep, keep going in here. So, and why do you worry about clothes? Now, obviously, that was a big deal to them at that time. Well, we're not going to have enough clothes. It's like, we're not going to have enough gas, or we're not going to have enough toilet paper, or we're not going to be able to go and eat at our favorite restaurant every day of the week, whatever. Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? I'm sure there were some flowers out in the field at that moment. They looked at him. They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry. I mean, how many times do you have to say it? Do not worry. Stop being stressed out, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? He says, for the pagans run after these things. And the pagans, a good, we don't use that word very often in our culture. Pagans in, you know, t- today simply means that, that people who are basically, you know into satanism paganism all that kind of stuff but it's really an enlarged term right here which basically means lost people people who don't know jesus so let me just insert it with that for the people who don't know jesus right after those things and your heavenly father though he knows that you need them now it comes to this really popular scripture right here but seek first his kingdom wait did first seek first his kingdom and his righteousness that's what we do that's the activity, that's the focus, and all these other things that we've given to you as well. Did, did you just get you that? Jesus is saying, stop being stressed. You get get out of your car seat. I want you to seek my kingdom. I want you to seek righteousness. So there because all this stuff's going to be taken care of. And he says, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. There's plenty of stuff to worry about. Tomorrow, stuff's going to happen. I'll just tell you, stuff is going to happen. And I'm not even a prophet. I don't even know anything. But I'm telling you, stuff is going to happen tomorrow, won't it? Yeah. Yeah, some of you just got scared because I said stuff is going to happen. Did you know it? Stuff's going to happen. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a plan. Stuff's going to happen. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So why again are we stressed out? seek his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you and i tell you guys i am all for the wonderful things god does for us but if we're not seeking his kingdom and pursuing righteousness we're not doing christianity the way jesus commanded and the way that jesus modeled you see that so and, and, you know, if you, if you go through the New Testament, go through the teachings of Jesus, Jesus is always saying, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like. And do you know when every single one of those stories, every single time he says the kingdom of God is like, he talks about somebody who's doing a work for God. He's talking about someone who's doing a work for a master. he's ta- he, it's never about someone just getting something good. Yeah, because I'm hiding in a cocoon. Now... I hope I'm not hurting people's feelings today. If y'all get your feelings, y'all have any feelings hurt out here? Because I'll stop. If, okay, good. I'm gonna keep going then. See, the focus of Christianity must shift from what we can get to how we live to make Jesus known. Because He's gonna take care of the what we can get part. So, why are we hiding? Why are we panicking? Aren't we, just spo- aren't we as Christians literally supposed to be different than the rest of the people in this world? Jesus wasn't safe. Jesus didn't panic. Jesus didn't hide out. I mean, church, I'm challenging you. You need to throw that car seat away. Now, if you're going outside and you have kids, you're strapping them in the car seat in your car, that's not what I'm talking about. Don't throw that car seat away. But you need to throw your Christian car seat away. Be of good courage. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on his armor and occupy Why do you need armor? It's because you're in the stinking battle, you know. The baby don't need armor in the car seat, does he? You don't need armor if you're in your Christian car seat, but if you're out occupying, you're going to need that armor of God. It's time we influence our cities for Christ. I want you to live with some risk. Live with some risk because God is on your side here's how I define risk I define risk as an action that exposes someone to the possibility of loss or injury so if you take a risk you could lose money if you take a risk you could lose face if you take a risk you could lose your life what's worse if you take a risk you could even endanger other people and not just yourself and that's all reality that's what risk is And you might even lose their money and you know things could be rough that's risk understand that so, here's a question: Is it wise to take a risk? Is it? Is it wise to, ex- to expose yourself to a potential loss? Is it? Well, maybe, maybe not. But what if you took a successful risk, and it uh, took a risk, and it was successful, and it brought benefit to so many people, but it actually caused a little harm to yourself? Would you still do it? Carson Christianity says no. I'm tired of living. See, risk is actually woven into the fabric of our faith and life itself. Come on, church. We need to pick up our Bibles and we need to read our Bibles. The people of Israel, they just strolled out there into the barren wilderness with no water and no food. And my friend, that's risk. Yet they created a nation that still exists today. Paul's entire life was all about one huge, extraordinary risk after another, and he was even beheaded for it. But today, we are reading the letters that he wrote to the churches that actually orchestrate so much of what we believe today. Oh, what about Shadrach and his buddy Meshach and Abednego? Really? You want to talk about risk? When they were commanded by law to bow down and worship an image, and they refused to do so twice they were thrown into a furnace to be killed, to be executed. <laughs> but what happened? Of course, God delivered them, but their stance actually changed the way that they were worshiping in all of Babylon. Did you know that? They just stood for what was right. Oh, well, God delivered them. Daniel, he prayed three times a day, even though it was outlawed. And he was thrown into a, a, a cave, a den full of lions to be consumed. But his faithfulness, and God actually delivered him, but his faithfulness caused some of the wicked rulers of Persia to be cast out of the government and actually cast into the lion's den. Things got better because he just kept praying. Esther, she walked into the king's chamber without being invited, which is immediate execution. You're not from those days, but that is exactly what would have happened. But what had happened? What happened with her? Well, her life was spared, but her, but the entire Jewish nation was spared. Guys, the stories go on and on and on and on and on. The Bible explodes the myth of Christian safety. The Bible explodes the myth that Christianity is only about security and making us happy, feel good, and be healed and whole. It's time we embrace all of Christianity and get out of our. See, this new era, this new era that we're in, it is different. Times are different. They have changed. And it desperately, or this new era desperately needs risk-taking Christians who are going to occupy it. And my question is, are you going to be one of those? I, I, I tell you, the Bible says, says it clear, very clear. Jesus said it. He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have trouble. And, and it, go, that's, it goes far. He wasn't talking. You read the context there. He's not talking about you're going to have trouble with your car, or you're going to have trouble with with you know your your uh, your water pressure at your house. He's not talking about those kinds of troubles. Those things happen, and God God will deliver us from those things too. But he says, no, you're going to have trouble because there are going to be people in the culture who won't like you, and are gonna cry. they're going to they're going to they're going to try to defame you, and they're going to try to pull you down, they're going to try to mock you. But he said but be of good cheer. In other words, cheer up. Don't be sad about that. Don't be sad about that. Be of good cheer. Basically, Jesus is saying, you got this. You got this. You got this. And if this message is for nobody else, it's for me. Because over the past two years, I have taken hit after hit after hit after hit from people who call themselves Christians, but even more so from people in the community, from pagans, from people in government, and from people in the business community who do not like what I'm preaching and what I'm declaring. You don't see it because I don't put it out there in front of you. And I'm just saying, bring it on, world, because I'm in the armor of God, and I don't care one bit. I am going to stand strong in the power of God. I'm not going to hide out in my office quietly coming in and typing up a sermon and quietly going back out. No, I'm going to stink and occupy. And I don't know how that means for you, but there is an area of this life that you are called to occupy, so get out of your car seat. All right, the rest of the sermons in this series are not going to be as intense. (sighs) But if you are ready to get out of your car seat, would you just all across this room just stand to your feet right now just, come on see that, see that chair as your car say you just bust it out of it just bust out of it. bust out of it bust out of it bust out of it bust out of it bust out of comfy Christianity we got the comfiest chairs in town but that's fine but you know what we need to bust out of comfy Christianity and say it's okay it's okay I am going forward in the name of Jesus who's with me who's with me in this house who's with me come on. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just lift your hands to the Lord right now. Just lift your hands. God, I pray as this congregation has our hands lifted to you, God, I pray that you will pour out your spirit on us. God, your spirit is not just there to heal us and deliver us. No, your spirit is also there to give us power. That's the primary reason for your spirit, is to give us power to be witnesses, to occupy, to make a difference in this world. And God, we're not going to let any distractions, we're not going to let criticisms, We're not going to let let persecution pull us down. No, instead, God, we're going to rise up and we're going to be strong in the power of the Lord. We're going to put on our armor and we're going to do battle for the kingdom of heaven in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. While you're standing all across this room, if there's anyone here who's not made a declaration of faith in Jesus and you don't know whether you would even be in heaven uh, tomorrow if you were to perish tonight, even in your sleep. You have sin in your life and you need to see that sin extracted. If that's you, I want you to, at the count of three to lift your hand for me. The way I can see you, we're going to pray together and we are going to, uh, we're, we're going to celebrate with you because you're going to take a step into the eternal destiny of every good thing God has for you. So with everyone looking inside right now, if you're here this morning, you need to make things right with Christ and to give your life to him at the count of three, lift your hand for me. One, two, three. Three, lift it up high so that I can see it. Lift it up high so I can see it. Thank you. Now, let's pray. If you lifted your hand, I want you to pray these words with me and meet them from the bottom of your heart. Church, pray these with pray these words with me as an encouragement to those who are giving their life to Christ, both here and online. Pray these words. There, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Wash me in your blood. Today I make the choice. To give up my past and embrace the future that you have for me. I choose today to be dressed in the armor of God and to occupy and not go back to a car seat. <laughs> in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Podcast. If you're interested in attending our Sunday service or would like more information, go to citylifefw.org.